Welcome to DIY for Business. It's uh, Russ and Greg with you. And uh, wow, we, that was possibly the best dance ever, Greg. Oh, <laughs> that's what I was looking for. I heard the chuckle when you started. I was hoping you weren't laughing at me. No, I'm, I'm was, laughing. I'm laughing with you. But we'll go say. with that. That's what people say. <laughs> I really yeah, found that's what we always say, but it really means we're laughing at you. It's just the nice thing to say. What got me so in the mood was our guest today danced along with me. Which exactly. I really enjoyed. Which, that's a new feature of the, yeah. of the podcast here. Yeah, we do this whole thing on video, right? So every week, for those of you that listen regularly, Greg hears the music and it fires him up and, and he starts dancing. And a couple of episodes ago, he said, I'm going to give you a new dance each time. And, and he, he did well this time. You, have you been practicing <laughs> on TikTok or something? <laughs> I'm telling you, is because Lucas Root, our guest today, he helped me along, right? It's always more yes. fun to dance with somebody than dancing by yourself, which I guess is a song, but that's yeah. true. Now <laughs> we just figured out the title of the podcast. Oh, now <laughs> hey, we know. Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, Lucas, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me and for letting me dance. <laughs> yeah, I gotta love that. So you're a speaker, you're an author, you're an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you you dance while doing all of these things as well. Oh, of course, dancing's okay. really important. In oh, fact, yeah. you didn't know this, but we're going to talk about it. Ooh, really? Now okay. we're hooked. Now we're hooked. Now that's a win right there. I love that. <laughs> Let's get right into it here. One of the things that you like to talk about is working from home and training people to work from home. And have you been working from home for most of your career? When did this whole working from home thing start for you? It initially started for me, you know, truly, and it's hard for me to say this, but truly decades ago. I was on Wall Street. I was in mergers and acquisitions. I was the guy who put together companies on the back end of a merger. So I was the one who made it all work. And that, of course, involved a lot of travel. You know, you go to head offices, you go to the place where the operations are happening, whatever, to meet people, to get to know their processes, to understand everything they're doing. And on the back end of travel, you know, typical travel Monday through Wednesday or Monday through Thursday, you get home, you're exhausted, and you're like, I'm going to air quotes, work from home on Friday. <laughs> and and everybody knows, and there's nothing wrong with this. Everybody knows it's really a flex day. Don't call me. Don't email me. Don't expect me to respond. If it's really a problem, if it's really an issue, I'm still on the clock. You can call. But otherwise, for the most part, I'm not really working. <laughs> and, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with this. You go to a client site, you do 12, 14 hour days for four days in a row. You should get a flex day on Friday. So I've been doing that for years. And then as I matured into my role on Wall Street, the work started to get bigger. And so I couldn't really take a flex day on Friday, but I, I still didn't want to go to work. I started to build some habits and some routines, some processes that would work to make sure that I could be productive without burning myself out while I was doing real work from home on Friday, not the air quotes work from home. Mm -hmm. Did that for the entire time I was on Wall Street. And, and it was pretty frequent that I would not be in the office on Fridays. Now, enter the pandemic year, a year and a half, two years ago, closer to two years ago now. I, I didn't have this work from home practice except in myself. It was something I was doing. It was a way that I made sure that I continue to be productive while I was running my consulting company and several other companies and traveling, seeing my clients and living in San Diego, which by the way, I don't have any clients in San Diego. So it's funny, I'll hop on a podcast like this and you guys will be like, so you're from San Diego. What do you do there? And I'll be like, nothing. <laughs> Enjoy the weather. That's exactly right. Go for walks. I, I live in <laughs> San Diego. 
I work here, right? Mm-hmm. This is where I work. And, right. and this is non-geolocated. So the pandemic hit and the Pokemon company, one of my clients called me up and they said, listen, we don't know how to train our people how to work from home. We, we don't know how to do what you do. Can you put together a training for us and maybe help out a little bit? And I was like, yeah, you got it, whatever. There are people in the world that say no to the Pokemon company. I'm not one of You're them. You're not one of them. <laughs> and, and this is like towards the beginning of 2020 or when is this? Yeah, this was, the, the pandemic had been going on for about a month at that point. So it was early April, 2020. Okay. Um, they call me up, hey, help us out. It looks like this is going to last long and we need to make sure that our people know how to be productive because everything's different. I was like, yeah, I got you. So I, I took some time mm-hmm. together a training. I had not done this before. I had my habits. I had my training. I had the way that I think about things, the world. I, mean, I have an actual engineering degree. So I think about the world from that perspective. But I didn't know how this was going to go. So I put together a training. I delivered it. They loved it. They still thank me to this day for that training, for helping them get to the point where they had something, some baseline that they could roll out to their employees to make sure that they would be successful. So is this a a program right now that Pokemon uses as an onboarding tool for pretty much everybody that they're bringing on that's working remotely? A version of it. So they took my training, they, you know, their HR people took their notes, they went and and rewrote my training into something that was an internal document that yes, now they delivered 100% of their new employees. And, and Russell was mentioning that earlier on our show that we, you know, we're doing it visually and, you know, our audio is being recorded, but we, we get a chance to see each other. What does video, how does video factor into, you know, working from home and training when you're dealing with staff from home? You know, awesome question. Exciting question for me. I'm going to answer it with a little bit of a story. As soon as I delivered that one training to the Pokemon company, they started telling their friends and their family about how awesome this training was. And of course, it was theirs. They could do what they wanted with it. And so their friends and family started calling me up and saying, hey, can you help my company out? Give give a training like that for us. I was like, yeah, sure. I got you. I hadn't actually figured out that there was any money in this. Now, food for thought for those of you who are listening, when you know, when you get free inbound customer requests, even if you haven't figured out how to charge for this, there's a hint there. There's something there that's saleable. So I, I delivered five or six of these. And of course, they were all recorded. And I realized as I was delivering them, that there's something really cool going on in Zoom or whatever video conferencing platform you're using that's an amazingly powerful tool for somebody who's delivering trainings, which was me at the time. So you can actually deliver the entire training and then go back and watch your recording. And what you'll see is that the customers of your training, the audience there, they're going to give you really powerful visual cues about which pieces of information you're delivering are useful. And you don't have to pay attention real time because you have the recording. It's right there. People will, you know, open up their eyes or like lean forward. They'll be like, Oh yeah, that. Or and for those of you who are listening, I'm pulling out my cell phone. They'll sit back and they'll start like playing around with their cell phone And you can tell that, oh, that piece right there, if it's important, I need to change the way that I present that. Or if it's not important, maybe it's time to cut that piece. 
And when they're leaning forward or, you know, they, they, their eyes open up or they smile or they start nodding along with you, you're like, okay, that, <laughs> I did that well. I need yeah, that facial that is, recognition of the nodding uh, yeah. and the smiling uh-huh, really helps. Uh-huh. You know, Lucas, I, when I heard, you know, that when this was on our list of, you know, Zoom being a powerful way to figure this out, I was like, how is he going to, how is he going to pull this one together? Because one of the things, I just had a conversation the other day with somebody. I used to do improv live improv classes. I would do these improv classes. It was totally fun. It was a lot of, you know, like just a a lot of laughing, (laughs) really. (laughs) And then we do shows on the weekend. We bring in the audience. Mm -hmm. And once you bring in the audience and you've got people in front of you, you're like, oh man, you're playing off them. You're getting suggestions from them. You're like seeing what's the laugh line. And then you're taking it up a level and, and, you know, okay, I'm going to play with that a little bit more and go deeper and make these people laugh even further. Like you have that live interaction there. And then the pandemic hit and we took these classes like online and did shows online over Zoom. It was impossible. (laughs) It was so hard. But the thing was, we didn't see the audience. We just knew that people were out there. So it was almost like this. I don't see the people listening to this. And so it's hard to, you know, know what's working for them. But the way that you said that and thinking about it, I'm thinking, you know, like football, right? Like you watch the tapes afterwards. You know, mm-hmm. you watch the, the Monday morning, you're looking at the tapes from Sunday to see, okay, what went right? What went wrong? What do we need to fix for next week? So that's what you're doing with these Zoom sessions is you're advising to record those, review them, and then you're figuring out like how to make your presentation optimal by, yeah. by doing that. I, I think that's great. <laughs> I know it's a simple no. idea, but I, I totally didn't even think about that as something to do. I think that's great. I loved it. It, It's such a powerful tool. And I am a much better presenter now, specifically because of that. Nice. Not just of that material. Like that made me a better presenter overall. And, you know, a lot of people say that whole line of practice makes perfect. But first of all, okay, perfect. Not a thing. Practice makes better. But the thing is, like review also does that. Like the review of it also helps when you're listening to like, I've listened to my first couple of podcast episodes, you know, a few years back. Um, wow. Uh, <laughs> it makes me feel a lot better now. But I continue to listen. Like, I'll listen to this show probably three or four times and just see, okay, what went well. Maybe I talked about improv a little too long. I'll hold that back next time. <laughs> you know, whatever it is. And I think that is all, you know, very helpful. So I, I appreciate that idea a lot. I, I also May think I- the, the longer the pandemic has gone on, the more people are getting used to learning this way through video. You know, if I look back, you know, March of 2020, a lot of people use video in their training and and onboarding and those types of things, but not nearly the percentages that's happening now. And Mm. I think as companies and as trainers and HR departments have gotten more and more used to using video, I think the techniques have gotten better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what's strong for me. Like in my company, we've tried to use video in training for a long time. Russ and I have worked together. We were <laughs> trying to use video in training and, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't the norm at that time. It was cutting edge. And, and I don't think the people that we were trying to train were used to learning that way. And it's shifted over the past two years. I, I just see you know, the whole workforce shifting into really that being the number one way to train right now is through video training. So one of the things that I I really wanted to understand from you is like who the audience is of of your training. Is it 
the trainers? Is it the people that are working from home but work for a company and you know they need to understand how to be productive for their company in, in working from home? So before you get into that answer, we do need to take a quick break. But when we come back, I, I really want to understand you know, how you train the different types of audiences because I, I know you, you deal with a, a lot of different roles that take your course. But uh, when we come back, let's dive into that a little bit more. And we're back on DIY for Business. We are on the best business network heard on Electrocast Media. And today we are interviewing Lucas Root, and he is helping us really understand how to work from home better, more productively. And Lucas, before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about the different audiences that you have and how you help those different audiences. So talk to us a little bit about the different types of people and the different roles that, you know, take your course and, you know, learn from you on how to work from home. Awesome. I, I basically have three different approaches. So I talk to entrepreneurs and that's a very specific message. Entrepreneurs are like a totally different beast. For those of you who know this, and probably most of you do, entirely like we're aliens. Entrepreneurs are alien, like totally different beast. You have to have a different language. You have to approach it differently. There, there are things that you say to a normal person who has an office job and wants to go to work and be, you know, productive. That if you said the same things to an entrepreneur, they'd be like, "Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Don't even bother continuing." It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Stuff I learned from watching my own videos. <laughs> so entrepreneurs, management, and then, you know, employees, like office workers, three entirely distinct messages. Now, entrepreneurs are the most fun for three reasons. One, as I said, completely crazy aliens, <laughs> of which I am one, by the way. I'm not saying that out of insult. I'm saying right, that out of right. like, I a hundred percent. I am there. We have a lot um, of aliens that listen to this show. So you are talking to the right <laughs> audience right now. Awesome. And they're going to love hearing this, I think. <laughs> so number two, entrepreneurs are very responsive. So they'll tell you when you say something they don't agree with, they'll tell you live and right there on the spot and they will not mince words. And I love that. I love that. I'm one of those people. You give me that feedback. I want to hear it. Lucas, shut up. You're being an idiot right now. I'm there. And then number three, entrepreneurs, because they're so responsive, they're also a lot more fun. So you try a joke, entrepreneurs are much more likely to laugh. You say something that's intended to get people to do something. Hey, take some notes. Hey, raise your hand. Entrepreneurs are far more likely to actually be responsive to that. Or again, tell you to shut up and that they don't want to participate. But they'll actually tell you that instead of just ignoring you and pulling out their phone. It's great. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's... The great thing is being around other entrepreneurs when you're an entrepreneur. When I first started working from home and I started my, my business, I was the only person that was working from home that I knew, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would get these, oh yeah, Russ can go uh, do that because, you know, he works from home in air quotes, you know? I, I No, I had a lot <laughs> of stuff to do and there's a lot of discipline around that. Mm -hmm. When you're talking uh, to entrepreneurs and, you know, Okay. Yeah. They're crazy aliens, but they also, they need to be very disciplined when working from home. What are some of those tips that you give, give them to help them to work from home? Yeah. The biggest one 
And this is one that entrepreneurs have a hard time accepting is that your schedule, your schedule doesn't take you away from the things that you want to do. It doesn't take you away from your flow. It doesn't take away from your creativity. Your schedule is a tool that allows you to get to the things that you want to do. It allows you to block out to make sure that you maximize the value of your creativity, the value of your high productive time. And it allows you to have that instantaneous feedback with your day about where you're being productive on what kinds of things. And I I find 90% of entrepreneurs just have a really hard time implementing a schedule. But when I tell them this, your schedule is a tool that lets you get to what you want. Yeah. That that turns on the light bulb. They're like, oh, now I'm interested. Yeah. The one thing we know about entrepreneurs is they are passionate, right? They are into their businesses, something that is a purpose in their lives. So getting them to want to work from home isn't that tough. It's just managing it. Now, let's take it to some of the employees that work for companies. Now, Mm -hmm. they may, they don't have the same incentives to, you know, be working the hours and and being uh, really diligent about putting in the hours and not getting distracted, as Russ is saying. How do you work with that group of people? So, what's really cool about understanding from, again, I'm an engineer, understanding the way that a day is put together from the perspective of an engineer is, And this is the message directly to an employee. What's cool about this is that you get to understand what pieces of your day accidentally are valuable to you. And they're like, wait, what? Accidentally valuable? What does that even mean? This is cool. So you're sitting in your office and your coworker walks by. And then for whatever reason, your coworker stops and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to stop and I'm going to have a chat with you for two minutes. doesn't matter what the reason is. How often does this happen? Oh, you know, six, seven, ten times a day. The break that you take from work allows your brain to disconnect from administrative focus. And the the disconnect that actually happens from a chemical perspective in your brain and the three, four minutes of being social with somebody, again, from a chemical perspective in your brain, it actually allows your brain to recharge the chemicals that it needs in order to be able to focus in order to be able to make hard decisions, in order to be able to do administrative tasks or get deep into some workflow. Now, when you're working from home, your coworker is not walking by your desk. There's no interruption and thus no social interaction. So these accidentally valuable pieces of your day are things that you need to understand and bring back in. That's interesting. So here's what's cool. When you understand that, you can take that routine and you can re-engineer your day, but add those pieces back in with intent. I know I need to have six conversations with coworkers throughout the day. I'm just going to schedule it right in. And now when my boss calls me up and says, why do you have a scheduled conference with accounting? I I need a five-minute disconnect. Accounting used to walk by my desk. It used to actually add to my productivity. I didn't realize until I heard this guy Lucas talking about it, but it turns out it's true. So I've decided to schedule it in. Now I'm doing it every day. And, and yes. because you're an engineer, I'm guessing that you've studied productivity for mm-hmm. people. And you've probably gotten the feedback that this works. This stuff works. It's part of my presentation. That actually, that stuff was part of my initial presentation to the Pokemon company two years ago. 
And it's one of the biggest feedbacks that I've been getting over and over. This stuff, this Lucas, this weird stuff that you're talking about where accidental beneficial interruptions to my day that once I put those back in while I'm working from home, my productivity goes up. This is so weird and crazy and awesome. And you know, what I've noticed is they're slowly changing work-life balance to a term called work-life interface, where essentially <laughs> the it, 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 there, there's more of an intersection between work and life now that people are working from home, mm -hmm. where you should make time for family or for leisure or for health, even just during the day, even during the workday. So this goes right along with that sort of new thinking, because the problem with the whole term of work-life balance is it's very hard to keep a balance. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's almost impossible to say, oh, I am only going to work 40 hours this week on my business. I am only going to you know, do this. I am going to set these every single Saturday. It's going to be this. Well, something comes up, you know, so you can't have that. It's like, how do you interface properly between your work life and your home life is the new, the new question. You mentioned brain state management, and I, I want to get into that, but we're gonna take a short break here. When we come back, we'll talk more with Lucas. Thanks for listening and subscribing. Oh, and hey, reviewing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that always helps as well. So <laughs> please, please do so if you can. Uh, this is DIY for Business on the Best Business Network, part of Electrocast Media. You, there's several other great podcasts on the network here that you do have to go check out. We've got a, a website, thebestbusinessnetwork.com, that has a listing of those various podcasts. And today on this podcast, we are talking with Lucas Root. He is a speaker, an author, and an entrepreneur. And right before the break, I brought up the topic of brain state management because I saw this in some of the materials that were sent over for this interview. I'm like, okay, we, we got to get into this. So tell us, what is brain state management? So here's what's cool about the way our brain works. And I think most people will totally get this instantly, but they'll connect it to the negative version of that. How often do you feel like you're in the groove, right? right. Us entrepreneurs, we love getting into the groove. Right. Flow work totally. is everything. It's all about the flow. Get in the groove. Let's do this. So the way your brain works is it really likes to get into grooves, but most people only interact with that predisposition toward grooves when they get into a bad mood. Bad moods are like self-sustaining. They're amazing. It's actually really cool, except when you're in them. <laughs> so our brain loves to get into a groove and sit there for a long time. There are different tools that we can use to help us to either get into a groove or pop back out of that groove. Let's call it a pebble in the groove that when your wheel goes over, it pops up out of the groove. And then you have a choice when that happens about whether or not you want to drop back into that groove or make a change. Okay, hmm. so let's think about that groove as brain state. So you can be in a bad mood and you're probably not going to get a lot of work done because you're in a bad mood. It's amazing. You can mm -hmm. be in a great mood and for all intents and purposes, you're probably not going to get a lot of work done because you're in a great mood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's true. That's not true. a bad thing at all. Not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. When we're in great moods, let's enjoy it. Somewhere in between is where our productivity happens typically. Decent mood, super focused. Have you ever noticed that when you're in like a super groove flow, 
that you're not really paying attention to the mood that you're in. You're just focused. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I've started to think of focus as a mood all on its own because it exists alongside all of the other moods. You're probably not focused and giddy. You're probably not focused and super rip roaring unhappy. If you're focused, it's its own mood. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm an athlete. I've been an athlete my whole life. And, you know, when you're talking about being in a groove, you know, athletes call it being in the zone. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that zone, you feel like you can achieve what you want to achieve. There's a high degree of confidence, right? That's what happens for me and a lot of athletes when they're in the zone, like they just know they're going to nail it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think from a business point of view, it's that same feeling. It's like when you can get yourself in that groove, in that zone, and and just know you're going to be productive. For that period of time yeah. that you stay in that zone, you are going to be productive. You're going to achieve whatever you're trying to achieve at that moment. And for me, what I've done in the past to get there is to make sure I eliminate distractions. Mm-hmm. I just know when I'm distracted and I'm trying to really get something done and be in that moment – it's difficult for me to stay in that moment. I fall mm-hmm. out. I fall back. Come back in. I try to fall out. You know, it just goes back and forth. I just need to just eliminate the distractions and know for X period of time, whatever it is, hour, usually I do hour, an hour at a time, I just know I'm dedicated. I'm going to get my mind focused and then I'm going. I, I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm going to do what I need to do at that moment. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is that kind of similar to what you're talking about here? Yeah, that's exactly right. So we have this groove and we're going to come back to this. And there are anchors that are going to bring you into different kinds of grooves. Everybody who's been stuck in a bad mood knows that there's an anchor that brings them back in. They try to get out, it gets brought back in. They try to get out, it gets brought back in. There are positive anchors too that'll bring you into a good mood. Like when you get kissed by your significant other, that's hopefully a positive anchor. Hopefully. (laughs) I like that you added hopefully. (laughs) We're really cool. Like our brain loves to tag. Think of like data tagging. Our brain loves to tag experiences as anchors to put us into a specific group. So getting kissed by your significant other should ideally put you in a good mood. That's a tagged experience. Every time it happens, you should sit into that good mood group. Unless there's another anchor that's pulling you into something else that is more powerful in the moment. Here's something else our brain likes to do. And I'm coming back to the one thing I said I would come back to before. The other thing that our brain likes to do is it likes to keep lists. And this comes back to, Greg, exactly what you just brought up. If you're distracted, the really good chance that your brain's list in the moment is full. What are the lists? You know, my my head itches. I'm a little bit hungry. I need to go to the bathroom. Those are things that are going to be on your list. There's also work stuff like I need to send this email to somebody. I need to uh, finish up this thing before the end of tomorrow. And then there's like personal lists. Like I got to call my mom today because it's her birthday. And, you know, when your brain has its list full, you're stuck in distraction. So one of the really cool things is your brain and you think of this as like a relationship with a second version of you. Your brain and you actually have a relationship and your brain trusts you that when your list is full, you take out a piece of paper and write stuff down and it'll cross it off the list, at least temporarily from your mental list. 
And that frees you up so that you don't have to be distracted anymore. Number one, in order to get into any kind of groove, free up your mental list. Just do that by writing it down. For those of you who are over 30, you have to do this with pen and paper. You have to use pen and paper. It just doesn't work if you're using an electronic tool. The people who are under 30, it's different. Your brain recognizes electronic tools in the same way that people who are over 30 recognize pen to paper. Simple rule, just keep that in mind. I happen to be over 30, so I have to use pen and paper. When my mental list is full, I write things down, and that allows me to set a new anchor, to set a new groove, to get into a new flow. Okay, that's number one. Number two, and here's the thing, and Greg, you're going to love this. In order to put a pebble in your groove and get popped up, you have to have a way to, you have to have an actual tool in your arsenal to do that. And the best tools are physical movement. Number one on that list should be dancing. Oh, hey, see, it works. That's why you get in the mood for the podcast, right? Yes, it really does. It gets me in the podcast zone. That's the pebble in the groove, dancing. Now, other tools for people who don't want to do dancing, shadow boxing. But if you're going to do it, you have to use the noises. Pow, boom, smash, bang. <laughs> nice. It's the rule. It's the rule. You okay. have to use it, it sounds like a Batman episode, but okay. Right. <laughs> if, if you can picture yourself in a Batman uniform, it's going to work better. Trust nice. me. All right. All right. Number three, playing with children. <laughs> it, it is magic. It is absolute magic. So number one, dancing. Number two, shadow boxing. Number three, playing with children. Those are pebbles in your groove. They will pop you out of your current brain state. But now you're suspended. And you could either fall back into the same brain state or you could end up in a different brain state. And the question is, are you in control? Just like getting out of the groove, there are tools that you can use to get you into a specific groove that you want to be in. Before we jump into that, do you guys have some thoughts? You know, the thing that I was thinking there is I mentioned improv earlier. This is sounding like improv warm up because mm-hmm. <laughs> what we do in the beginning of a class is we do silly little things, you, you know, little games to get us prepared to forget about our day and just get like there and be focused on whatever it is that we're doing. And it's almost I would almost compare it to like meditation in a way. Yeah, it's funny. I haven't been shadow boxing, but in between different, you know. Oh, he's gonna now, though. We, yeah, now. <laughs> and you know what? I do have a Batman outfit, so I might be sitting you know, at my desk <laughs> in a Batman outfit doing the pow bang in between, and I'm, I'm gonna be just uh, a terror. I'll, I'll get a Robin uniform. Look out, joke. Here I come. But <laughs> what I've been doing lately is different yoga moves. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, I'm, I'm guessing it's pretty similar to doing the shadow boxing, but a little less rigorous. But again, it's clearing the mind, like Russ is saying, meditation. It, it, it helps me clear my mind and you know re, refocus again. I love it. I think it'll work. It's a little bit slower. Yeah. Dancing, shadow boxing, those will happen really quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the shadow boxing might help my waistline a little bit better, too. I'm <laughs> guessing. That's, That's true. Right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing that I do is sometimes if I'm like, I'm in the office and, you know, I've got, let's say I've got something to write. I'm, I'm writing a blog article or I'm writing something fairly long. And I tend to like try to change my, my view 
because I can't get into the zone. So I actually leave the office, grab my laptop, and I go sit in the backyard or I go sit outside or I go someplace unfamiliar that I'm not, you know, typically in. You know, I mean, it's okay. I don't usually work here. This is usually where I'm barbecuing. You know, this is usually where I'm doing something different. And it, it helps. It's weird. It gets me like into a, an entirely different zone when I do that. I love it. That's really cool. I think probably changing your environment probably does something, right? It's It's got to, yeah, yeah. It does. You could also try changing your clothes. Oh, yeah. Batman, that's Batman. See, it it all comes back to that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's true, too, because, you know, I remember, you know, when people would say when you're doing sales calls, put on a suit, like dress up just because you're going to get that feeling, you know, or, you know, at least put on your dress shoes or... You know, and in these days of Zoom, at least put on pants, you know, do something like that so that you're so that you're feeling that professionalism or maybe maybe it's put on sweats, you know, so that you feel like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm in my workout mode. Like I'm in, you know, sweats and tennis shoes. So I, I got to get this job done. I gotta, I'm off to the races, I guess you'd say. So that could be interesting, too. Yep, it works. What would you say, Lucas, as, as we're ending the show today? What's your number one piece of advice for people to be really productive working from home? We're going to leave people hanging if we don't answer the, the previous question that we paused on. Okay. Right? I okay. gave you a tool to pop out of a groove, but I didn't give you the tool to choose the next groove. Okay. So let's... Ah, I like <laughs> it. Let's hear it. <laughs> Sorry. No. That's... I don't want to leave people hanging. <laughs> so the trick is our brain, in the same way that a computer works, our brain accepts programming. And this is part of the reason why meditation is such a powerful tool. What our brain wants to do is it wants to interact with our consciousness, our psyche, accept some programming and move forward on that programming. You're in a groove. You drop a pebble in the groove, dancing, shadow boxing. Now you popped up out of that groove and now you're ready for accepting some programming. And this is where a couple of really powerful tools can help you move forward, but there are some rules. Your brain has rules, and here they are. Number one, it has to be simple. Number two, our brain really does understand time, and it has to be time-bound. Now, it's funny to say that because we all know that time doesn't exist, except our brain does understand time, and so you have to time-bound whatever your programming is. So Hmm. here's an example. I just did some dancing. I know I need to be really super productive for the next hour. So I'll do something similar to an affirmation. You all know what affirmations are. You write something down on a post-it note. You stick it on your mirror so that every morning while you're brushing your teeth, you see that affirmation and you say it to yourself with the toothbrush in your mouth. I am beautiful. I am powerful. I am whatever it is. The problem with affirmations is that they're not following this formula. You haven't created a neutral brain state to accept a programming. What you have to do is you have to create that neutral brain state. Drop the pebble in the groove, pop up, be ready to move forward in any particular groove, and then create that programming right there in the spot. So you do your little dancing, and then you do a a really quick one to two minute meditation where you drop a program for you to execute. And the program could be something like for the next 60 minutes, one hour, because Greg, you like to do hours. Mm -hmm. For the next 60 minutes, I'm going to be doing deep creative work on XYZ client. And I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to answer emails. 
I'm going to be 100% focused, and it's going to be exactly an hour. And in order to maintain, and remember, I talked about this relationship between your conscious brain and the, the subconscious brain. In order to maintain a powerful relationship between the two, as soon as you've created a programming like that, and repeat it to yourself like it's an affirmation. It's not, it's programming. But repeat it to yourself. In order to maintain the relationship between your conscious brain and your subconscious brain, as soon as you've created a programming, a rule, treat it like one and follow it. And you'll create this powerful relationship where your subconscious brain recognizes that you've done the thing. You wrote down stuff to free up your mental list. You did some dancing to pop yourself out of your groove. You dropped a programming. You, you set the next groove that you're going to sit in. You do it for your hour. And then you take a break. And you treat yourself like a biological being and not a computer. You go to the bathroom. You call your mother. You do the thing on the list that you wrote down so that you wouldn't have to be distracted by it for an hour. And now your subconscious brain is, hey, you know what? He told me that he was going to do the thing. And then he went and did it. And I trust him. This is working. Let's do more of this. Yeah, it's so interesting that you have to trust yourself. Right. If you don't trust yourself, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you're almost, it's brain training, right? I believe myself when I tell myself I'm going to do this for an hour and then I get to go to the kitchen and have a little snack and you actually do it after an hour and not go two hours before you get the snack. You know, mm -hmm. the next time when you're re reprogramming, okay, I'm really going to get my snack after an hour. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've used, I have one of the little Google Nest things in my office I have, it's actually giving me reminders at certain parts of the day. Oh, cool. So that I just remember, you know what? Take a break. I have that come on at a certain, like twice a day. It says, just take a break. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll take a break. I listen to Google. <laughs> and then at lunch at 12 o'clock, it's like, it's time for lunch. Wash your hands. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then at 445, it tells me that it's 445. So I know, okay. I'm, I should start wrapping up my day. I should start looking through that to-do list. And it's it's been like this little bell ringing in the background, you know, <laughs> that tells me to do these things. And then, and Greg's been in um, on a meeting with me at about five, a little close to 10 minutes before five or so, the lights in the office go off. Like Google will shut off the lights to tell me, oh, you know what? It is really time to go. This is it. <laughs> I shouldn't be in here when the lights go off because it's time. And then I repeat that same thing at 10 o'clock at night. So if I'm in here doing something podcast related, the lights shut off in here at 10. Also, that's so that I remember to actually turn them off. But it's so that I, you know, I get in these zones and, you know, maybe I can't do it myself. So the, the whole Google thing has been helping me to get into that routine each day. And it's, the same thing every single day. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, now that I've been doing it for a while, about 10 minutes before the Google thing goes off, I'm like, oh, wow, it's getting close to lunchtime. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> like, I just know these things and I feel it like, oh, okay, it's 1115, you know, or, or, you know, 1030 or whatever. I'm going to go get some more coffee or, you know, whatever it is, like it's there for me to make those reminders. And it's basically, it's just a glorified calendar, really, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. But it's these triggers, right? That, that yeah. our, our brain is understanding now. And then it yeah. gets used to the triggers. So it's really cool. So Lucas, you know, for people that want to learn more and, you know, take your course, your work from home course that you've developed, what's the best way for them to pop over to my email, info at lucasroot.com or my website, lucasroot.com. Wonderful. Awesome. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today, Lucas. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. I've learned a lot from this show. I really enjoyed our conversation and uh, understanding better why I do the things I do and it works for me. That's what what really hit for me. So thank you so much, Lucas. Especially the Batman outfit. Exactly. Next time time I'm going to do my dance in the Batman outfit, making the sounds, pow, bang, boom. I can't miss. (laughs) I can't miss. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't know, maybe... I don't know if the, the title of this episode is Bat Dance or Into the Groove. There's Ooh. a few titles that we can go with Ooh. here. So I'll, I'll let you think about that, Greg. You're the guy that does that. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Hey, thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing DIY for Business, a part of the Best Business Network and Electrocast Media. The subjects that we cover on the podcast are selected with the goal of helping your business grow. All of the information provided is opinion-based, and you may want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business needs. Greg and I, we want your company to succeed, and we are happy to take your questions. We would also love to hear your suggestions for future episodes. If there's an area where you need solid business advice or help, let us know. We might be able to build an entire episode around it and you can get your questions answered you can reach out to us by visiting our website diyforbusinesspodcast.com the link is in the description we also love talking to business owners and you can reach out to us as well we thank you again for listening and subscribing to diy for business where you are not alone So we love the curse of the lake house. We love love the the curse. Welcome to the curse of the lake house. I am not a witch. Really well written. Keeps you guessing. I really like the ending. Peter, otters mate for life too. Otters find the otter they belong with and they mate for life too. The curse of the lake house. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Electric acid. I'm Iris Ichishta, mother of two digital natives, CEO and co-founder of Tokens Collectibles and co-host of the Tokens Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeff, father of three digital natives and one of your hosts of the Tokens Podcast, where we cover a variety of topics. Topics such as digital collectibles, blockchain, Web3, and raising children who are digitally and financially literate. So if you're a little crypto curious and want to dip your toe into the Web3 waters, then join us on Tokens. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.